microphone? I can't tell. There we go. All right. So good morning to everyone online who just saw me lip syncing for a second. Um, thank you for joining us. I know it's cold. I know it's chilly, but we're glad that you're here with us. Um, my name's Dustin, and I'm on staff here at South Point. And just to let you know, if you're new with us, what we're doing for this entire calendar year, this entire 2022 year, is we're going through the Book of Acts in a series that we're calling Origins, this year-long series in which uh, we're really looking at the Book of Acts. And, and the Book of Acts really kind of paints for us an origin story for how the church began. And so if you like superhero movies like me and you're a sucker for a good origin story, the Book of Acts is literally an origin story for us as the church right now. But before we begin reading through the book of Acts, we wanted to make sure that we are all as equipped as possible to be able to engage with this book well. And so before we even begin reading through Acts, we're first going to be doing a series that we're calling Setting the Stage. So we can set up a little bit of framework and understanding. That way, by the time we get to Acts, everyone is as equipped as possible to begin reading through this narrative. And for the first three weeks of this series, we're we uh, talking specifically about the Holy Spirit. Because in the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit like actively moving and at work. And so we want to make sure that there's no misunderstandings about who the Holy Spirit is. Um, and so we began this three-week look at the Holy Spirit last week, and we talked about who the Holy Spirit is. And we talked about uh, how the Holy Spirit is God and is a part of the Trinity alongside the Father and the Son. And then we talked about how the Holy Spirit is the agent of creation, meaning not only at the beginning of the Bible did he help set things into motion, but he also sets things into motion inside each and every one of us that directs our attention towards God. And then we talked about how the Holy Spirit is the agent of revelation, meaning that he reveals things to us, things that draw us towards Jesus, but things that continually reveal the character of God and what we should be doing with our life and how we should be living throughout our life. And then finally, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is a witness for Jesus and how his primary goal is to direct our attention towards the Savior. And so we took this crash course into who the Holy Spirit is last week. And if you missed it, I encourage you to go and watch it online. But today, we're going to stay the course and we're going to continue talking about the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk more about who the Holy Spirit is. But more specifically, this week, we're going to be talking about what the Holy Spirit does. What's his purpose as it pertains to us as believers? What does the Holy Spirit do and why does it matter and why should we care? But first, I think we should probably pray together if it's all right with you guys because I, I really believe God needs to be like all up in this if it's going to mean anything. And so let's pray together and then we'll jump into it. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your reckless love that chased us down in our most broken, and our most hurting, and our most worthless and you called us sons and daughters of God. You accepted us into your kingdom, into your family, and gave us a new hope and identity. God, I pray that as we dive into this word about what the Holy Spirit does, that you reveal to us that the Holy Spirit is the helper that we need, and if we can learn to depend on him, that you will be able to work through us as individuals and in this church. And God, we just pray that we are more dependent on you. I pray you open our eyes to your message and that these words are yours and not mine. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. And so uh, my wife and I have been married for 11 years, 11 years. I know, right? You look at me and you're like, there's no way this guy's old enough to be married for 11 years. He's far too young for that, far too young. But 11 years, right? It's a, it's a long time, kind of a miracle by some standards in the world that we live in. 
Um, and, and when you've been married as long as we have, and some people even longer, you start to get into routines, right? You, you learn your spouse, and you, you learn to kind of ha- roll with each other, and you learn how the other one works and how the other one's wired. And, and there's something that my wife says to me a lot that I really believe kind of represents our relationship well. It's this phrase that has become common from her to me in our relationship. And the phrase is three words. And, and when she says these three words to me, I know it's not a waste of her breath. I know that she actually means it when she says these three words. And, and she says this to me on a daily basis, usually multiple times a day. And you know what these three words are? These three words are, you need help. <laughs> or you have issues. One are interchangeable, really. But you need help. And, and listen, like, be, be self-aware, right? Like, I, I know that I need help. Um, I have people tell me that they look up to me, and I'm like, I, you might want to look up to someone else, because, like, I need help. And listen, like, we all need help if we're being honest. But do we ask for help? Maybe. Do we ask for help as much as we should? Probably not. But we all have moments when we need help. And so check this out. This passage that we're about to read, it comes in the book of John chapter 14, starting at verse 15, if you have your Bible. So John chapter 14, starting at verse 15. Uh, And if you don't have your Bibles, the words will be on the screen for you. And in this passage, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And this is actually one day before he goes and dies on the cross. He'll be arrested and crucified. So one day before all that happens, some of his final moments with his disciples, and Jesus begins to speak very candidly about the Holy Spirit. And so this is what he says to his disciples, and I want you to take notice in this specific passage that we're about to read, we're going to get all three parts of the Trinity in one verse, and so all represented, which it doesn't happen super frequently, um, but it's kind of a sign that something's starting to happen here. And so Jesus says this to his disciples in John uh, chapter 14. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So notice, Father and I, Jesus the Son, will ask you for another helper. So you have Son, Father, and Holy Spirit all in one verse. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, capital S, Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, don't miss this, because this is one of the biggest promises that Jesus ever makes, and it changes the way that humans would interact with God forever. Jesus says he's going to ask the Father, and the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit to the disciples and us. Understand, if you're reading this, Jesus is speaking these words to his disciples in the moment, but he's also speaking to us, anyone who would ever say yes to follow him, which means that if you're in this room and at some point in your life you said yes to following Jesus and making him your savior, that from that moment on, not once have you ever been alone, and not once have you ever been helpless. Now, you might have felt helpless at some point. You might not have understood that the Holy Spirit was even dwelling inside you. You might not have known that you could depend on him, but the fact remains that from the second that you accepted Jesus as your Savior, that you immediately received God's seal of salvation on you and the Holy Spirit inside of you. And for what purpose? 
to help you. To help you. Because we all need help. Say, I need help. One more time like you mean it. I need help. I need help. It feels good to admit that. It feels good to say it out loud. It feels good to acknowledge that no, I don't have this on my own. And no, I don't want it all to depend on me. And I could use some help. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's kind of insinuated by the way that Jesus refers to him. The Holy Spirit helps us. He is the helper. Because guess what? Following Jesus is not an easy thing to do all the time. Now, it is the best thing that I've ever done with my life, but that doesn't make it easy. And for so many believers, I think they have this amazing moment when they say yes to Jesus and they're transformed and given this new life and they're excited to start this new life only to find that very frequently the truth is that sometimes your life can actually get more challenging after you say yes to Jesus. You're going to have moments in your life when you pray really hard and really passionately about things, be it healing for yourself or someone that you love, or be it like a solution in some kind of crisis, or just an answer of like, God, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And you're going to have moments when it feels like God isn't hearing those prayers. And you're going to have moments when you really want to hear from God, and so maybe you pick up the Bible or you turn on a, a Christian podcast or watch a sermon online and turn on some worship music because you just want to hear from God, and you're going to have moments when it feels like all you hear is radio static. And you're going to have moments when someone close to you isn't a believer and you desperately want to share this treasure that you found with them because you know it will be revolutionary for their life, and there are going to be times when they just don't want to hear it. And then on top of that, to put it politely, the world is not going to be particularly fond of you because of the way in which your life looks different and because you've chosen a path that looks different from theirs. And so following Jesus is not an easy thing to do because honestly, so much of this Christian life, so much of this Christian life is trusting and depending on God when things don't make sense. And guess what? Things don't make sense pretty much all the time. And guess what? God knows. God knows. The Bible even talks about it. It says things are going to be hard. We live in a broken world. Bad things are going to happen. Life is going to happen. And God knows. And so he sent you a helper. He has planted this massive inheritance right inside of you. And so many believers have no idea that it's even there. I mean, imagine... Imagine living your entire life unaware of this massive inheritance that's been left for you. Not only is there a massive inheritance that's been left for you, but you grew up poor your entire life. Your entire life, you not only weren't living comfortably, but like you didn't even know where your next meal was coming from. You were so poor that you had no idea where you were going to be sleeping from night to night. You lived your entire life in poverty while there awaited for you an inheritance that you just never bothered picking up the debit card for. And this is how so many Jesus followers are living today. They're struggling spiritually, they're struggling emotionally, feeling like they're just getting by on breadcrumbs and no idea if God's going to show up, no idea if God is even real. 
like they want to believe, but they have no idea how to actually put their hope in some God that they can't see, and so they show up Sunday after Sunday, and they try to worship, or maybe they watch other people worship, or they listen to me or Jamie or whoever speaking, like they desperately want to take something away so that they can get to know God better or have something to apply to their lives, or they pick up the Bible, and maybe it feels like a waste of time, or they try to stop and pray, and it feels like a waste of time. It feels fake, and they feel like frauds, and they wonder whether other believers feel like this too, or if they're on an island all by themselves, all the while they're ignoring the fact or not understanding the fact that they have received this massive inheritance from God. They've received a helper. And maybe you're like, great, I have help. What does that even mean? How does the Holy Spirit help me? And so this morning, I want to look at three practical ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. And understand this is just like scratching the surface. There are a multitude of ways, but we're going to look at three this morning. And, and when we look at these three ways, I, I feel like these are practical ways that we can invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. Because just like Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus doesn't force his way into our lives. Although the Holy Spirit is in you, he is not going to take over your life or start doing things unless you invite him into that process. You have to invite the Holy Spirit in. You have to ask the helper for help. And so three ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. We'll just start right from the top. The first way is that the Holy Spirit brings scripture to your mind. The Holy Spirit will bring scripture to your mind later in the same chapter. In the same conversation about the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells his disciples this. He says, but the helper... The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. He will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. The Holy Spirit will bring Jesus' words to your mind. He will help you remember them. And since Jesus is the word and he is responsible for all of scripture, the Holy Spirit can do this with any part of the Bible. Now this is a massively bold statement if you understand because at this point in time the disciples can barely remember what Jesus was saying like 30 seconds ago and now all of a sudden because of the Holy Spirit they're not only going to retain Jesus words but they're actually going to come to mind for them when they need them most now we talked last week about how the Holy Spirit testifies to us about Jesus the Holy Spirit will get in your ear about the Savior but there is kind of a little bit of a caveat here. There's kind of a catch to this one. And the catch is that it's going to be difficult for the Holy Spirit to remind you of things you've never heard or read before, which means you need to be reading the Bible. Jesus' followers need to be engaging with Scripture consistently. And this is probably the thing that's repeated almost as much as the gospel itself in church, but ironically, there are still so many believers who think that they can have a thriving relationship with God without ever opening up the Bible, and guess what? You just can't. You can't. There's no sugarcoating this for you. If you are a Jesus follower who doesn't read the Bible, change. Fix it. Start reading it. 
You have a helper who's looking to bring God's words to the forefront of your mind in the moments when you need them most, and you've given him an arsenal of <laughs> Like he's got nothing to work with. There's this movie in the 90s called Jerry Maguire. I don't know if any of you ever saw it. Uh, it was about the sports agent. And there's this moment that comes to mind when Jerry is pleading with one of his players. And he says this, and it's comical in the movie. I wonder if this is ever how the Holy Spirit feels about us when we won't read the Bible. This is what Jerry says to his player. He says, I'm out here for you. You don't know what it's like to be me out here for you. It's an up at dawn, pride-swallowing siege that I will never fully tell you about, okay? But help me, help me help you. Help me help you. The Holy Spirit is trying to draw up the words of God to your memory, but you have barely even read the Bible, and so he's drawing from an empty tank. And guess what? There are going to be moments in your life when you are going to want to hear from God. There are going to be moments when you feel worthless that you'll want to know what God has to say about your identity. You're going to want to know that. There are going to be moments when you feel hopeless, when you're going to want to know what God has to say about your future. There are going to be moments when you lose someone and you'll need to know what God has to say about what happens in the end. And before anyone even starts thinking it or starts wanting to bring it up, don't talk to me about being able to Google what does the Bible have to say about this. Don't even go there with me because I can assure you this is not the same. We need to be reading Scripture. We need to be reading Scripture. If you are not, start. We have a How to Read the Bible class. We have people who will walk you how, through how to do this, but it is so important that we're reading scripture and so the first way the holy spirit helps us is that he will bring scripture to your mind i've experienced this verses just pop into your head randomly throughout the day but you have a role to play and we have to start playing our role and the second way the holy spirit helps us is the holy spirit prays for you when you can't now i don't know about you, but have you ever like sat down to pray and like there's something going on in your life and you're just like really looking to connect with God but you just can't find words, you have no idea what to say or how to pray? It says this in Romans 8, 28. It says, likewise, the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And I don't know how you interpret this, but to me this is this beautiful and powerful and mysterious text. And, and you'll have people who will argue that this passage is somehow about speaking in tongues, but that's just simply not the case. The, the Greek word that's used here for groanings is the same word that the Bible uses when it says that creation groans for its redemption. Rather than speaking in tongues or anything of that nature, the heart of what this passage is expressing is that in those moments where you're literally so broken or distraught or lost that you can't 
even find the words, or maybe it's just silence, or maybe it is actually groans of heartache, or maybe it's just sobbing and tears that regardless of what it is that you're doing instead of speaking words, that because you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, that your prayers are not only heard, but they're understood perfectly by God. I remember vividly the day my sister called to tell me that doctors had found a mass, a tumor on my mom's pancreas, and they were going to be doing a biopsy within the next couple days to see if it was cancer. I was actually walking into the place that I was working at the time, and after I got off the phone with my sister, I, I got back in my car and I prayed. And I prayed aggressively, and I had no problem finding words for God. And then a few days later, walking into the same job, I got the call from my mother to tell me that the mass was, in fact, cancer. And I will never forget my mom's voice cracking as she said the words, I'm really scared. And we prayed together, and I, <laughs> I held it together the best as I could for her. But then when we got off the phone, I got back into my car the way I did just a few days before, and I just lost it, and I didn't know what to say, I didn't know what to pray, I was angry, and I was broken, and I was distraught, and I just cried, and I didn't pray anything, but God heard me all the same, and I can't explain to you how much it meant to me to be able to just cry and hyperventilate and just come undone and to still know that that's all God needed from me, and I pray that you don't ever have to deal with anything like that, but life is inevitably going to happen, and you cannot stop it. But what you need to understand is that God hears you clearly. The Holy Spirit, the one dwelling inside of you, he is going to be mediating for you in the midst of your mess. And when this mess comes, you need to know that you're not alone, and you need to know that even if you don't know what to say, that you have a helper. And like I said, you might not need this now. You might not be going through something now, but just wait. Hold on to it for when you do. The Holy Spirit will pray when you can't. This is huge, at least for me. And we have the third way the Holy Spirit helps us, and that is the Holy Spirit will give you the words to share Jesus. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to share Jesus, because this is the mission that God has given to every single believer in this room and on this planet, not just pastors, not just ministry people, all of us, that after you've given your life to Christ, that you're supposed to spend the rest of your life continually pursuing Jesus and also sharing him with the people around you. This is your calling, and I know how intimidating that can be, but the good news is you have a helper you're not doing this alone, and this is what Jesus says to his disciples. And listen, this is, this is some like serious stuff that Jesus is about to say. This is no joke, and so read this closely with me. This is what Jesus says in relation to how the Holy Spirit helps us and gives us words. He says this to his disciples. Jesus says, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour 
what you ought to say. Now, what's crazy is that the disciples did stand before synagogues and rulers and authorities. We're going to see it in the book of Acts. But the men that stand before these rulers and authorities, they are not the same men that we read about in the Gospels. They've been transformed. But the way they've been transformed is not with any additional training. They haven't gone to Bible college. I'm not against Bible college, but none of them went. They, they haven't stood in front of a mirror and like argued with themselves. They haven't stood in the shower and played out arguments in their head. Have you ever done that? I do that all the time. Like you walk out of the shower with a full-blown argument prepared and you're like, I wish they would say something because I am ready. Just me. But the only thing different about the disciples in these moments is that they now have the Holy Spirit helping them. And you may or may not stand before governing authorities, but if you are living your life chasing Jesus, you will inevitably stand before people, be it friends or family or co-workers, and you will have opportunities to speak about this faith that you have. And guess what? That terrifies us. We immediately feel insufficient. We immediately feel like we don't know enough. But, but listen, and this is extremely important, you aren't called to change anyone's mind. I don't know if anyone has told you this, but when you go to share Jesus with someone, you are not called or instructed to change anyone's mind. I see a lot of Christians trying to change people's mind. You aren't called to do that. You actually can't change anyone's mind, at least not about Jesus. And I think that's what freaks us out. We put this pressure on ourselves to change someone's mind or try to convince them of something, and that's not what it is. You're here to share good news, and you aren't sharing it alone. And this passage says, don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry. Don't get in your head about it. I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm not asking you to be amazing. Jesus is simply asking us to open our mouths and start talking about him. And he says, if you do that, the Holy Spirit will make the right words come out. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Now, will they be the right words for someone to give their life to Jesus on the spot? It could be. Seeing it happen, but also maybe not. Maybe they seemingly don't get what you're saying at all, or maybe... It's somewhere between those two, but guess what? That's not on you. The Holy Spirit will give you the right words, which means say a little prayer in your head and then start talking. And the Holy Spirit will do the rest. And I know that's crazy. That's crazy. But here's the thing. We believe in a Savior that left heaven to come to earth and die on a cross for the sins of billions and then raised back to life after three days, securing our salvation and our relationship with him. And so we are kind of in the business of crazy. This is a matter of do you believe that these words are true? Do you believe that if you begin speaking to someone about Jesus, that the right words will come out? Now, most people don't know this, but locusts, the bug, locusts, ordinary locusts, although they have wings, they can't actually fly. And this actually confused scientists for some time because locusts, if you, if you know anything about locusts, they cover these vast distances of hundreds of miles even though they can't 
fly. And, and what we discovered about locusts is that although they can't fly, they're very adept at jumping and jumping at the right time because you see locusts will wait for these massive gusts of wind to blow through. And right when they feel this wind start to blow through, they will jump as high and hard as they can and they'll flap their useless wings and they will let the wind carry them for miles. All they do is jump and the wind does the rest. And the question for us is that being aware that the Holy Spirit will carry you and give you the words to say, will you jump and let him carry you? Because if you will, there are people who might find this amazing relationship with Jesus because the Holy Spirit will give you the words to share Jesus. And so we have these three ways the Holy Spirit helps us by bringing the words to our mind, bringing God's words to our mind when we need them, for praying for us when we can't find the words, when we can't pray ourselves, and by giving us words to say, to share the message of Jesus. And like I said at the beginning, this is just scratching the surface of a lot of different things that the Holy Spirit does, but I believe that if you know he helps you in these ways, then you can begin to take practical steps to invite him into your life and begin helping you in this Christian walk because that's what he's here to do. Now I'll leave you with this. This is how Jesus leaves this conversation with the disciples about the Holy Spirit. He says this, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, capital H, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It is to your advantage that I go away so that the Helper can come. Now, just imagine being a disciple. You've been with Jesus for three years. He literally took you and plucked you out of a life of obscurity and made you a direct follower of God and you've witnessed miracles and you've had Jesus in the flesh teaching you and mentoring you directly. You've actually healed and performed miracles with your own hands by the power of Jesus' name. You've seen dead people raised to life. Literally this person, this Jesus is your entire life. He has rearranged your brain and now he's telling you that it's better that he leaves so that the helper can come. And if you can just conceptualize this, this has to be one of the most confusing and also heart-wrenching things that these disciples have ever heard. What do you mean it's better that you leave Jesus? But if Jesus is saying that having the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you is better than having himself walking directly beside you in the flesh, what a testament that is to just how powerful and good of a helper the Holy Spirit actually is. And if we are going to be effective as a church in reaching our community and spreading this gospel message, then we are going to need help. And if we're going to have a thriving relationship with a God that not only doesn't feel fake, but actually produces peace and fruit in our lives, then we are going to need help. If we're going to pick up God's words and hear from him clearly, we are going to need help. The question for each of us is, are we going to live through our entire lives poor while there waits for us a massive inheritance, or are we going to invite 
the helper, the Holy Spirit, to begin transforming us as individuals and as a community. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have given us a helper because we know that we simply cannot do anything in this life that you've called us to without help. We're not able to have a relationship with you. We're not able to understand scripture. We're not able to share this with people. We're not even able to pray, God, without the helper. It speaks to how broken we are, and we just acknowledge that and confess that, but to have a helper, to have you dwelling inside of us and spurring us forward and carrying us. It just, God, I pray that it plants within us a confidence and a peace that draws us closer into relationship with you, God. I hope that we understand that we can depend on you and that although a massive portion of this Christian life is learning to trust and depend on you, that if we learn to invite the Holy Spirit in and help us, that you will make that right. You are good and we love you more than anything. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.